Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Proverbs chapter 9. Every time I study ahead just a little bit for what we're going to talk about in these, in these individual Proverbs, I see these changes and I say to myself, okay, now we can really start rolling with this stuff. And then I come and teach and I get through, you know, 10 verses. And, and uh, so I think you should just prepare yourself for a year's worth of Proverbs. And if we get done, you can be blessed early. So that, that, I'm, that I'm actually done. So uh, Proverbs chapter 9, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. We, we know, Father, that your word comes with your blessing. We also know, Father, that based on the, the, the Holy Spirit being sent back by, by Jesus, that we have the teacher inside of us. That we have an understanding, Father, of how this works because the Holy One lives in us. And so we thank you, Father, as we make the transition from historical truth to living truth, that, Father, you find inside of us a resting place, a foundation for that truth to set. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that's, that's uh, just as a side note, uh, interesting about the, the study of wisdom is that wisdom, because it was with God from the beginning, you found in chapter 8, wisdom was there when God spoke. So wisdom giving a, a personality trait when God spoke. So wisdom... As a, as, a, as a part and parcel of, of God and, and Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, I think he said he was made wisdom unto us. But, but anyway, the point is that, that wisdom is one of the creative powers of God. And so what wisdom will do is cause you to understand that the whole of your life in your understanding with God can be bigger with wisdom. So it's, it's one of those creative forces in your life that, that maybe you didn't understand when you got born again. And then as you grew and wisdom was imparted to you, or literally you let the wisdom in you come out through you. Remember, the Holy Spirit came into your life and he'll spend the rest of your life trying to get out. Right? Through God's principles. And, and so wisdom tries to get out through us, which literally expands the foundation that is Jesus Christ that you are to build on. And so when you use 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when you use wood, hay, and stubble to build, you use your own understanding because it's the easiest, most efficient way for most of us to build. Amen or not? I mean, if you had to build a building today with gold and silver and precious stones, you might have a little trouble figuring out how to do that. It takes something from God for you to build effectively on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And what happens is, as we understand the person of Jesus, as we understand what He did through the sacrifice, then we begin to see, wait a minute, my foundation is too small. Now, it doesn't mean that your foundation is small. It means you haven't realized the fullness of Jesus' foundation. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us there's no other foundation other than the one that's laid in Jesus Christ. But if you ignore a part or a parcel of that wisdom, you'll never build over there, right? I don't know. I mean, I went, Bob, can I share the story about your garage floor? Yeah, yours. So as we were getting ready to build our garage, I went over to Bob's because he had built a little garage out there, his little man cave. 
and it went over there, and the concrete stuck out further on one side of the building than it does on the other. Right? And they, they, they laid it kind of cattywampus in the, in, the, in, the, in the area that they did there. So the building is six inches longer on one side. Well, think of it this way. They could have, now it would have been difficult, but they could have jogged the building to build on that existing foundation. Right? But and it's not, they shouldn't have put a crooked wall in his garage. That's not my point. My point is that when you begin to discover that Jesus has a bigger foundation than what you thought, you go from thanking Jesus for being saved, which is a great thing, to thank you, Jesus, for providing for my peace. And you'll discover the foundation that is Jesus for you to build on. Chugga, 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 chugga. So when you study the book of wisdom, you will find that there are certain times where God will expose to you, if Jesus is wisdom to us, like the New Testament teaches. If Jesus is wisdom to us, did you know it was in there, right? Okay, so if he is, then what God does is reveal to us, through wisdom, parts of what Jesus is, right? The Word became flesh, the Bible tells us. In, in John chapter 1, about verse 13 or 14, the Word became flesh. So what God does is reveal to us the existence of the foundation in Jesus Christ. That makes sense. So when you study the book of Proverbs, when you study the book of wisdom, you need to be also looking for the expansion of your understanding of the person of Jesus. He is wisdom to us. So when we look in chapter 9, verse number 1, it says wisdom has built her house. Okay, so using Bob's garage example there, now that little bit of concrete wouldn't make much of a building. But wouldn't it be amazing if he discovered one day that the building foundation that the concrete people laid was actually 20 feet bigger and here's this piece of foundation out there. Well, what should he do on it? He should reimagine what God said he should build. Wisdom has built her house. In your life, the house of wisdom is bigger than you can imagine. When you find that revelation of Jesus Christ, you may move the building that wisdom has already built in the Spirit. You may move it out to include that foundation of Jesus Christ. See, if you don't believe that God will help you with your peace, you'll never build the building of wisdom out there on that foundation. And you'll live your life with your faith focused on the future. Hope focuses on the future. Faith is now. Are you tracking with me? All right, and this is just the first, this is the first sentence in the first verse of this passage. So if wisdom is going to build a house, and it literally says wisdom has built her house, then wisdom as Jesus Christ, right? He has made wisdom unto us. There is a foundation of Jesus that encompasses all that God intends to build by wisdom. 
It's built in the Spirit. But when we deny the existence of the foundation of Jesus Christ in certain areas, right? I, I chose peace on purpose. Almost every church understands that Jesus died for our sins. The only way out of, of a sin life is through Jesus. Many churches attempt, and like us, try to understand that by His stripes we are healed. So we found a little bit extra of who Jesus is in a foundation. Wisdom already built the house in the spirit realm. But in the center, between those, ver between those two parts of Isaiah chapter 54, 53, it says, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And so peace becomes a buildable component of wisdom. The world is missing peace because they're missing wisdom. Right? So as, the, as you discover the foundation, it says wisdom has built her house. Cool. How are you going to see it? Because it only exists technically in the spirit realm, and it's built over the fullness of the foundation of Jesus Christ. So as you discover those things in this passage and in these passages, you'll discover that there's more to the foundation of Jesus Christ because he was made wisdom to us. Are we all together? Good. Okay, we can move on. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has hewn... So again, we've talked about this throughout all our passages, but, but you know, wisdom as a person, wisdom as an understanding, oftentimes given a, a, a female personality. And again, you can say, well, why does, she, why does God do that and make her a she? Um, really, you should just be able to process this by natural humanity. See, most men believe that was a good idea, right? I was leaving a funeral one time in Vernon, and I'd just gotten a new car, not this one. I just got a new used car, new to me. And I thought, I'd just buy myself. I thought, I wonder how fast this car goes. Now, to me, that was a good idea. Yeah, just go ahead and slam her down. And so I'm hanging on, you know, and, 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 and kind of popped up over this hill, and I thought, well, I better slow down because the, the, the stop sign was coming. It's not very far from the Vernon Cemetery to the highway, and I knew I had to turn on the highway. And so I'm cruising, I look down to 111 miles an hour. Now I'm all excited because there was more left, right? It'd go faster than that. Go, go, go. And then I realized if Tracy would have been in there, she would have been the voice of wisdom. She would have said, this is not a good idea. And because of that wisdom saying this is not a good idea, she would have known we were outside of the potential protection of the foundation of Jesus and the house that wisdom built. She'd have grabbed onto the oh no handles with all her life. And so if you're having to wonder why it's she all the time, just remember you thought it was a good idea. <laughs> Amen. Now there's going to be times where wisdom's going to become a he, and I'll magnify those times for you because we don't get much, but occasionally we got it going on, and we know it. 
When it says she has hewn her seven pillars, this is not about seven literal places, although if you want to twist the scripture, you can go find these seven things that wisdom is built on. But wisdom is the manifestation of Jesus Christ in our life. Okay, So it doesn't have these seven little things. Quit trying to make a formula out of that. Do this. Seven is that number of perfection and completion. The idea behind a pillar is this stable place that goes down to bedrock that cannot be moved. Okay, so this thing is stable, seven times, perfectly stable, based on what wisdom has produced. So when the Bible says that wisdom has built a house, and it's based on these seven hewn pillars, these seven cut out pieces of rock that cannot be moved, he's saying to us that there is a possibility here that your life built on wisdom is immovable. You see that in the New Testament where you see the comparison between the guy who builds it on the rock and the one who builds it on the sand. Same storm comes. The guy on the sand, he's in deep soup, right? He has the sand, it moves, but the rock doesn't. That's the point. That's wisdom. So if your life is continually stirred to the place that you're going, I don't know what I'm going to do. First of all, if wisdom is your basis, you don't need to know what you need to do. You need to know what he did. Come on, stay with me. Wisdom grabs what God did and lives by it. You see, it, it isn't that faith grabs something in the future. Faith is now. Hope grabs a hold of things in the future. Right? How many of you have hope for your children? Or hope for your grandchildren? Or hope for this situation. and It hasn't happened yet. But faith is a now thing that says it's happened in the Spirit. So when your hope, the substance of things hoped for, and your faith takes a hold of that substance, you can see what has not yet happened in the today reality of your faith. Wisdom does the same kind of a thing. It hews these things out, this stability out. God designed for your life to be stable. And I just want to give you just something kind of personal here. But would you please quit blaming the devil for every bit of stupid that you have? Sorry. But man, well, the devil made me do Well, why are you listening to I mean, that really is ignorance. Right? If God is speaking all the time, man shall not live by bread alone, but rather by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. Okay, so if he's speaking, how is it you didn't hear him, but you could hear the devil talking to you? You had to ignore God. He's talking. And so we listen to the devil and we say, well, it'd be a good idea to do this. Nope. That's when you need to realize that wisdom is build a house. How many of you got personal, don't raise your hands. How many of you got personal opinions? Okay. How many of you got personal opinions about people you know? Okay. And you find out that what you think somebody ought to do is because your solution for them sounds wise to you. You like the sound of your own voice bopping around inside your head. And you think because you read the book, you listened to the CD series, you found that on the internet, you know that the internet has an algorithm that when you search for something, it's going to work to get you more of that. So if you search for something that you believe is true, even though it's not true, the internet will give you something you believe is true. 
instead of the wisdom of God. Because it's, it's unstable. I'm always amazed at people who think that if we do the next best thing, whatever that is, that the world will become stable. The world will not be stable until it's based on the wisdom of God. And you can just try till you turn green to change it. And you will spend a good portion of your emotional energy outside of what I believe to be, here I am with my idea, what I believe God's call is to your life. Right? I don't have the ability today to fix the world. But look around. Because some of you are sitting where I have influence. You be the fixers. Right? I, I can only deal with the people that God sends. If you're watching online, God sent you to us. I can only deal with those people. I can go out and stand on the street corner if you want me to. Right? <laughs> and I can wave my... But I don't know that you want to pay for all the Bibles that I'm going to give away while I'm standing on the street corner. Because I will. You don't have a Bible here. You can have mine. It's, hard, it's all I can do. I promised this Bible I'm preaching out of to my teenage grandchild. <coughs> my, <coughs> excuse me. My grandson... And I'm giving it to him because I'm going to teach Proverbs line upon line. And I'm going to put my Duma Flobbies in there on the first side of Proverbs, on the second side of Proverbs. And I said, if you ever need to know what Grandpa thinks, start with the first Duma Flobby and read through to the second one. Because that's where God's wisdom is. And it'll teach you in one-liners how to live life. Well, I don't understand the Bible. You will. Because it's full of wisdom. Amen. It says, she has slaughtered her meat. Now, Remember that we have these ideas presented to us that we don't always think about. So unless you've raised your own chickens or something, and you've become the, the slaughter person. I, I, my last church, Grandpa Bill, he, he thought it'd be real funny. They raised hundreds of these chickens. And he had a stump with two big nails. He says, stand over there, Pastor. I thought, well, why? Well, pretty soon he grabbed a chicken by the legs threw it down against that piece of tree with the nails there, pulled it like this, and went whap! And then he threw the chicken. Now, I was standing where the chicken wasn't going to be jumping. I didn't know the wisdom. If I'd have been standing anywhere else, I'd have been covered with chicken blood. And I'd have been grossed out. So when you see that she has slaughtered her meat, you have to think back because she's preparing. Wisdom is preparing a feast for you. Okay. How do I have to say it? It's a smorgasbord. It's an amazing meal of spiritual substance that comes from wisdom. And we say to ourselves, well, I don't need any of that. I'm amazed when people refuse consistently to eat things spiritually that they don't like. I'm always amazed by that. See, God will give us things, and the reason we don't like them is because we don't want them in our life. Oftentimes, I don't want sacrifice in my life. Why? Because it pains me to give stuff away and to sacrifice. You know, Jesus did it with joy, but I haven't figured it out yet. So I don't always like sacrifice in my life. But I love the fruit of obedience. So sometimes I reluctantly sacrifice because the fruit of obedience, obedience is not the fruit, obedience is the seed, 
right? So when you put the seed of obedience in the ground, God will produce for you the harvest He intends for you to have. But the seed is the sacrifice. It's the obedience, right? And so you walk forward and all of a sudden you see, wow, that really worked. See, that's the house that wisdom builds on the foundation that is already laid in Jesus Christ. Are we tracking? She's mixed her wine in verse 2. She's furnished her table. Now, I don't know how you see this, but most of us are so disgusted by the broccoli that God continues to serve that we don't recognize that we're sitting at a table with a gold tablecloth and fancy china and, and great glasses and, and fancy silverware and cloth napkins. I love cloth napkins. I really do. My wife and I have several different colors of them, and when we, even sometimes when we sit down and eat together, she gets me out a cloth napkin. She really loves me. I love cloth napkins. Wisdom is preparing this meal, all the meats, all the wine, all the furnishments of the table. She sent out her maidens. She's going out to invite people to come to this feast. Notice what else it says. She cries out from the highest places of the city. She's saying, come and eat. Come and eat. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. <laughs> this is kind of a problem. Most of you do not see yourselves effectively as a simple person. We judge ourselves by what we think we've received from God. But as maturity sets in, the more you receive from God, the more you know you don't know. Talk to an old person like me who's been serving God for 40 years in ministry. And I will tell you, I knew a lot in 1986 when I took my first church. I was absolutely convinced I knew what to do. And I'm absolutely convinced now that unless God shows up, I'm going to look like the stupidest person in the room. Because, you see, you've got to trust. What are we trusting? The wisdom of God. You can't even interpret Scripture correctly. I had this Lutheran friend. And he had all these great, I mean, he had shelf after shelf of reference books. Now, he's about this high and kind of portly, always wore, you know, a, a gown when he preached, not a gown, but what do you call them, thing, robe when he preached, you know, and he, did, he loved. But he, he was kind of missing the excitement of Pentecost. And so he loved to hang out with me. He'd call me up and, and, and ask questions and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, well, his name was Darren, and I love Darren. I said, Darren, don't you have all them books? He says, the books don't talk like you. Now, I don't know what I'm talking about. But the miracle is in the hearing. Wisdom inside of you will cause you to hear what's being offered differently than what's being said. I am just a human. I've put this together, hopefully with God's help, and I've underlined the words. I mean, you can see it right here. I've underlined the words that I want to pay attention to right here and highlighted them, and if we get to those, I'll highlight it for you. That's what I know. But what God will do in you is because wisdom is building the house and the spirit for you, is he'll cause you to hear things that are specifically designed for the building of your house. You say, well, pastor, teach. I always get tickled when people think that I'm teaching them. The Bible says you don't need a man to teach you. Holy Spirit teaches you. The truth, not a lie. 
right? See, that's why the personality parade in church will never work. It'll never work. Notice it says in verse number five, come and eat my bread and drink my wine I've mixed. And then he gets into the details of the feast in front of you. He says, forsake foolishness and live. That's verse number six. Forsake foolishness and live. What's your responsibility? Be careful. It's a trick question. You understand you won't forsake foolishness until you know what foolishness looks like. See, people say, well, I'm going to forsake it. Honestly, you won't forsake it until you see what it is. You can't forsake what you don't recognize. Right? Tracy and I were in Costa Rica with the Wisdoms, and they'd saved us river shrimp. Now down there, they have river shrimp that are as big as my hand that curled around here, and they'd been catching them and freezing them for our final meal. And so I'm watching Brother Clinton. I know since he's with Jesus, he won't mind me telling you this story. <coughs> I, I watched Clinton. He's just, you know, he was chatty, man. That boy could talk. And, and he's cleaning these shrimp. Now, I have a little restaurant experience. And I want to tell you, if you don't clean shrimp right, it's not going to go well for you. And I thought, how am I going to get them shrimp out of his hand so I can clean them? Because my wisdom says that isn't going to work. Now, it might work for somebody who's drinking the water and having the parasites and whatever else in a foreign country, but I'm telling you what, Tracy and I about died. About halfway through the cleaning of the shrimp, I said, hey, brother, why don't you sit down? I said, just let us serve you. <laughs> what I was really thinking was, please let me clean them shrimp so I don't die. And see, what happens is you have to forsake foolishness. We have to understand what foolishness is. See, some people will take the word and they say, well, you know, Pastor, the word says you can drink any deadly thing and it won't hurt you. You've got to recognize that foolishness is the guy who goes over to prove his point and picks up the poison. It doesn't mean that you're going to go drink it on purpose. It did, I, I survived, praise God. We flew from San Jose, Costa Rica to Houston, Texas, and I was never so glad to see an American bathroom in all my life. <clears throat> because it is serious by that point. We were sick, came back, went to the doctor, and they gave us bug killer. Ten days. Take this. It'll make you feel better. And you just hope you're going to die. Because of the poison, see, I, I could have taken that, 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 that scripture and said, well, I can eat this, bless God. I was preaching in Brazil one time, and, and they started passing around a, a, a Coke bottle, a, a two-liter bottle full of water. And I look up at my translator, and he's going, okay. And then here comes one of the guys from the boat, and he gave me a glass. It's like hell hot down there. And so I'm preaching, you know, sweat's just rolling off of me. My, I have pictures of my shirt's completely wet. One little girl called me the puddle pastor because the sweat dripped off my elbows and made a puddle on the ground. Well, how many of you know that wisdom gives you the ability to think differently about foolishness? It would have been foolish for me to drink that water. So I had to forsake the foolishness. 
rather than the assumption that says, well, you know what the Bible says, and I'm not against what that says, I'm against the foolishness that misinterprets it. Are you with me? Amen. Now notice it says, forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. Again, when you are going to go in the way of understanding, you've got to press in to the understanding that God wants to give you. So for an example, you can say no to things that you think God would say yes to. Because understanding will trump everything else you're going through. And a lot of times what people who have agendas and different ideas, like they don't understand how this works. And they'll say, Pastor, wouldn't it be cool if we did thus and so? Maybe. But you see, understanding, I always love to talk with pastors because many pastors believe pastoring is about what God's taught them. It's not. It never is. It's about what God wants for the people. So, now please don't throw rocks at me. It's people before truth. Let it, let it percolate. Okay. Truth is, we shouldn't smoke, drink, or chase women, or men, or if you're confused, your choice. And so, that's truth, right? And I can pound that truth. Shouldn't kill babies. I can pound that truth. That truth being pounded may not affect the hearts because you didn't take into account the people that God called you to. And they may need a message, right, that's put in a context that causes their heart to open up to God. God loves you enough right where you are. He just refuses to leave you there. We've got to convey that. We've got to convey God loves you right where you are, but He loves you enough not to leave you there. And if you're going to resist Him, you're going to stay there by your own choice. Right? And so I can start with that. Right? I can start with you choose to sin every time you sin. People go, no, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm caught. The devil and 47 other excuses for why wisdom doesn't have a place in their life. So it says you've got to go the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer. Can you hear this for today, please? There are scoffers, right? People who are magnifying the fact that your truth doesn't work. There are scoffers in the world. It says when you correct a scoffer, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. Now, i got to tell you something. Unless God tells you to correct it, you should leave it alone. Now, I can already hear the resistance. Well, do they need to know the truth. Okay. The fact that you know the truth doesn't mean you should say all the truth you know. If you keep a relationship with someone, you can continue to expose them to more and more truth. But if you correct one, you bring shame. Meaning that your identity in their mind is changed. I'm not going to go to those Christians. All they do is judge me. Guess where they're not coming? The very place that God designed to be their help. Does that make sense? Are we together? 
Because if not, what will happen is we'll become these people, right? And we'll pick up the Bible and we'll begin to pound on it. Well, here's the truth. you got to do this. If you don't do this, you're going to hell. Let me just help you with that. If you're not born again, you're going to hell already. Whether you know it or not, if you're not born again, you're going to hell. So we don't need to tell them what they already know. Why don't we tell them what they don't know? Jesus provided a solution to your hell-bound life. And it doesn't make any difference today if you change anything other than believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. You don't have to quit your crazy to become Christian. You can keep doing that. You shouldn't, but you can, right? And what happens is by exposure, the foundation that is Jesus Christ is magnified in their life. I went to church most of my life. I went through catechism, not catechism, what they call it, confirmation class in the Presbyterian church, and no one told me to receive Jesus. Now, I was a good Presbyterian boy, but I wasn't born again. I had a man stand in the healing line in my last church with a 50-year Sunday school pen from a particular church. He'd been to school, Sunday school for 50 years. He wasn't born again. Are you tracking with me? You see, sometimes what we magnify is the truth that we like. And then we all get together with a bunch of people that are like us. And we say, isn't this fun? The world is perfect because nobody in our church disagrees. I'm actually happy that you all scratch your head every once in a while. I mean, it makes it more difficult, but instead of taking my word for it, why don't you learn from God? And that Jesus is bigger than you ever imagined. The Bible says he held the, 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 the span of the waters in the palm of his hand. I got, I got just, I'm a simple guy. If Jesus is so big, if God is so big, how come he's so hard to find? You're looking at the wrong stuff. I'm telling you what, Jesus is a big dude. And he's here to fix us. He who corrects, he who rebukes the wicked man only harms himself. Now you're saying, well, but how do we get the truth? It's not your job to get the truth. The Bible says Jesus bought the truth. You're going to have to trust Jesus to fix people's lives. You say, well, but it worked. I, I confronted this one person and it worked. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm saying it's not efficient. Come on, look at the world. How many nutcases do we have in our world? Can we fix them one at a time? Of course we can. <laughs> we can fix them one at a time. Or we can expose them over time to a group of people that look like Jesus. And stuff will fall off of them willy-nilly. You won't have to work so I mean, I can come and start correcting people. I got ideas about why you're wrong. But how many of you recognize that the idea behind right and wrong only leads to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? That wasn't God's plan. And so he says, I want you to be in unity with me. Okay. And I'll just tell you right now, Jesus loves better than I do. I want to be in unity with him. Jesus loves better than I do. That's just simple stuff. Amen. Now notice it says in the, in the eighth verse, it says, do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. 
Now, I know that that goes against everything, because what are we doing? We're building walls to keep people in that think like us and keep people out that don't think like us. That's not Jesus. Jesus got in so much trouble hanging out with people that you and I wouldn't hang out with. And he went to their house. Can you imagine, honestly, going to the house of a prostitute for supper? Or a sinner for supper? Just think for a moment. They don't have all the boundaries that you have. They might not dress in an acceptable way. And you better keep your eyeballs in your head. Amen. Because wisdom will make you wise. It says, rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. That's how you know who you're supposed to rebuke. They'll hug you after they're done. You better get God's wisdom on that one. Because if they're not hugging you and they never come back to see you ever again, you burnt that bridge. Bad choice. Give instruction to a wise man, he'll still be wiser. Teach a just man, he'll increase. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, again, wisdom, your days will be multiplied and the years of your life be added to you. If you're wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. You need to understand that the scoffers he talked about, they're going to stand all by themselves. By the way, just like all of us, in front of the judgment seat of God. All by themselves. You don't get to take your parade of people who believe like you. Well, we all believe that way. I want to tell you something. If you all believe that way, and you're all wrong in your belief, all you have is a collection of fools, and you're the head circus master. See, if God is your leader, then you're safe in what you follow. If man is your leader, you need to be kind of careful. Because sometimes what man will do is lead you down a road that's so self-serving and so religious-sounding that you won't even recognize it until you get there and run into the wall. Verse 13. Foolish woman is clamorous. Loud. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits in the door of her house on a seat by the highest place in the city to call those who pass by. Notice that the foolish woman is being compared now to the wisdom in the first few verses of the, of the chapter. See, the wisdom woman went out and said, come and eat. I have, this, I have this banquet. I have this feast prepared. And this one cries out and says things that are comparative but not correct. Verse number 9. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, how would you like to be known by somebody who could be trapped by the kind of flattering words and, and lack of wisdom position? Come on, when you were in high school, somebody was the ringleader. And somebody said, this will be fun. Right? Terry was that guy. He's told me that story. You know, this will be fun. Let's go. You know, I love my brother, but I got to tell you, you know, if he was more like me, it'd be easier to get along with him. But what God does is put us together with people that we need, right? And so then you start to listen and you go, wait, where did he get that? How'd that work? And so he tells his story, has told his story to me, and <clears throat> it's a difficult thing to realize that you were taken in 
by a simplistic worldly thought process that says there are no consequences to this. Right? No consequences to this. As him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet. I've been in prayer lines twice where somebody wanted agreement to have another person's spouse. Pray and agree. Yeah, well, when you say it out loud, you just go, wait, who thought that was a good idea? Right? Isn't that interesting? Makes perfect sense. Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there. Now notice what it says. Inside of that foundational understanding is death. It doesn't lead anywhere else, people of God. That our guests are in the depths of hell. Probably that interpretation or that word <coughs> is, is the word sheol. It's the resting place or the, the abode of the dead. And in the Old Testament, you may remember in Luke chapter 16, oh, I'm out of time. You may remember in Luke chapter 16, notice how that affected me. Luke chapter 16, the rich guy goes there, and, and he's obviously been somewhat um, uh, mean to the, to the beggar at his, his, his gate. And the rich guy says, send Lazarus down here. He's still trying to boss from the wrong side of the street. They, they still believe that it's right. He says, send Lazarus down here to dip his finger in, in, in this water and cool my tongue. Now, I got a question for you. If you get to go to hell with all your buddies, and that rich guy went to hell, like the Bible says, why didn't one of his buddies come up and tell him how hell works? Why didn't somebody say to him, it won't, it won't help if you holler across the, the gulf to that guy who you used to have control of. It won't help. Why doesn't somebody come and tell him? Because there's such a solitude in foolishness and lack of understanding. And it's a solitude created by the fact that we think we're right. But we've not been building with the wisdom of God, the building that God did through wisdom. You like chapter 9? I love chapter 9. Next week we'll start with chapter 10. Chapter 10 and all the way for another 10 or 12 chapters begins a literary style called couplets where it'll present two um, either competing or complementary things. So if, if you really want and you're saying, I don't have time to, to, to read this whole thing, start in chapter 10, read one verse and stop because you have the comparison or the complementation or however you need to see that in that one verse. And just read one verse a day and get rid of them next 12 chapters, because for 12 chapters now, the style changes. We'll talk more about that next week. Father, thank you for this time. We just bless you, Lord God, for all that you teach us through your Holy Spirit, through your living word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.